0: Who is God? What does the Bible mean? Wait. the Bible mean? Why am I lying? What is God's will? I want to understand. Reconnect. Reconnect. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Reconnect, the official podcast of Shincheonji, or in English, New Heaven and New Earth. And you may be thinking right now, Hold on a second. This isn't Ray. This isn't a voice I've heard before. And you are right. It was only a few weeks ago in our last episode, which if you haven't already, go check that out, where Ray had to give his farewell and now you've been left with me. (laughs) Aren't you lucky? My name is Jaden and it's really my pleasure to be here with you on the Reconnect podcast. I will be your new host And I really look forward to exploring the Bible together. Though I might be new, and though my voice may sound different, what hasn't changed is God's Word. And ultimately, that's why we're here on the Reconnect podcast, to be able to delve in deep, explore the wonders, the mysteries, the secrets, even start to dissect some of the hard-hitting topics of the Bible so that we can ultimately reconnect to God through His Word. Please join me as we begin this new chapter of going deep into God's word together. If I can pick up a little bit from where Ray left off. Ray's last couple of episodes was some pretty heavy stuff. Talking about human judgment, God's judgment, and how these two types of judgment are quite different. And also how our attitude towards God and his word ultimately determines the verdict of God's judgment of each of us. As I already mentioned before, if you're only just tuning in now, definitely go and check out the last couple of episodes that Ray took us through so that you'll be able to follow along where I'm picking up from. Because there was a really great verse that Ray mentioned previously that I want to draw upon for today's episode. I won't read the whole thing, but it's Hebrews 5 verse 11 all the way through to Hebrews 6 verse 3. The writer of Hebrews talks about spiritual teachings, as if they were different types of food. Basically, he differentiates between milk, teachings for spiritual infants, and solid food, which enables one to distinguish good from evil. As the title of the book suggests, the author of Hebrews is actually writing to Hebrew speakers, who have left the congregations led by the teachers of the law of Moses the scribes, Pharisees and Sadducees. And they now follow the teachings of Jesus and his disciples. According to this passage, it seems that even among those few who made this transition, there were still many misunderstandings regarding what they actually believed and how they should practice their new faith. I suppose misunderstandings are to be expected, right? With that kind of transition. And like Ray discussed previously, God is actually ready to forgive any kind of mistake we might make as long as we're not rejecting His Word or choosing to follow man's teachings or man's interpretations rather than the truth itself. And so I was thinking about what the author of Hebrews was saying regarding milk and solid food. And it made me think about, actually, there are many stories in the Bible stories we might all be quite familiar with, depending on your background. Maybe you spent a lot of your childhood in Sunday school. But a lot of these stories that we've learned, maybe as children or even later on, they have a deeper spiritual meaning. As children, we might learn the spiritual milk form of the story, where we learn about a certain moral. But often there is some solid food associated with it as well. And if we think about today's topic, today's story, Jonah and the whale, or maybe Jonah and the big fish, whatever way you learnt it, right? That seems pretty basic, right? In fact, it's so popular that it might be easy to confuse it with any other popular folktale or fable. But did you know that it's actually hiding a much more powerful message than just the account of a reluctant prophet named Jonah and a very big fish. So today, let's explore the story of Jonah and let's not be satisfied only with the milk, but let's try and become those who are accustomed to the solid food as well. And so the story of Jonah can be found, unsurprisingly, in a short book in the Old Testament called The Book of Jonah. It's only four chapters long, But that's still probably a bit too long for us to read here. So in case you need a quick refresher, sometime around the 8th century BC, Jonah, the son of Amittai, is sent by God to a city called Nineveh, an Assyrian city, to warn them that God is about to judge them. To set the events of Jonah's life in a kind of historical context, Jonah is mentioned in the book of Jonah, unsurprisingly, but also in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. So at this point in history, the times of King David and King Solomon, that had all finished, and the 12 tribes of Israel was split into two kingdoms as a result of God's judgment for King Solomon's sin, which is all described in 1 Kings 11, if you want to give that a read. So eventually, shortly after the reign of King Jeroboam II, The nation of Assyria, the Gentile nation, would capture the 11 tribes in the northern part of Israel. And then after that, Babylon would capture the tribe of Judah in the south. However, during this reign of Jeroboam II, when Jonah was around, the two states of Israel seemed to be doing all right. At that time, God sent a man named Jonah to rebuke the people of Nineveh. This is the part we know, right? Nineveh was a sinful city. And Jonah didn't want to go and rebuke them. He thought they didn't deserve the rebuke and the repentance that would come along with it. So instead of fulfilling God's command, Jonah thought he could run away. He took a ship in the complete opposite direction to Nineveh. But whilst on this ship, a storm arose. And eventually the sailors decided amongst themselves that it was definitely due to one of the passengers having angered their God. And so what did Jonah do? He actually owned up to this and volunteered to be thrown overboard. And as soon as he was thrown, then actually the storm subsided and Jonah was miraculously swallowed by a big fish. According to the account in the scripture, he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, after which he was spit up onto the land. And then after that, again, God commands Jonah to go rebuke the people of Nineveh. And this time Jonah obeys and he goes. The people of Nineveh eventually actually listen to Jonah and repent. And God forgives them and spares them. Now, there are many things we can learn from this story. And one of the traditional Judaism interpretations of this story is that it's a lesson in how God forgives the truly repentant. Both Jonah and the people of Nineveh were forgiven for their initial actions against God. Another way it can be interpreted is that this is what happens when one tries to disobey God. But as you might guess, these meanings of the story, although both useful and valid, they're just the milk of it. By milk, of course, I'm referring back again to the verse I mentioned at the start. Hebrews 5 verse 11 through to verse 14. I hope by now that verse is starting to be written in your heart. Remember, this is what it says, starting in verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So what is this saying? Milk isn't inherently bad, right? It's just that solid food is better for the mature. Even here in this verse, the author of Hebrews is expressing what seems like regret that the people to whom he is ministering seem to have difficulty eating the solid food he is presenting to them. So then, what is the solid food in this story of Jonah? Well, in the New Testament, Jesus has a bit to say about Jonah as well. Now, the people he was speaking to would have been familiar with the traditional Judaic interpretations of the story. God forgives those who repent sincerely. They would already have that written into their spiritual perception of the story. So when Jesus comes along and says what he does in Matthew 12, verse 38 to 41, it would have sounded completely new to them. Let's go there. Matthew 12, verse 38 to 41. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. But none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah And now one greater than Jonah is here. What a fascinating comment by Jesus, right? The sign of Jonah. This must have been pretty confusing. In fact, a bit of a head scratcher for many of the people listening to Jesus at that time. Then he goes on to mention the son of man, a title that most of the people would have recognized from their understanding of the writings of Ezekiel and Daniel. Now, it should be noted that in this passage, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, highly educated, spiritual and political leaders of Israel at the time. They would have definitely understood the references that Jesus was making. sign of Jonah, Son of Man. But it makes you think, I wonder if they understood that Jesus was actually referring to himself. The sign of Jonah is referring to Jesus' death and resurrection something that we know about well. We have a whole celebration for it, Easter time. And it's something that we as Christians, we take for granted nowadays. But for people hearing all of this for the first time, it would have been very difficult to accept. So then why is it so easy for us? Humans are social creatures, and we tend to define ourselves by our pasts. This is true for each of us both as individuals, but also as collectives. For example, if anyone asks me, I'll always say that I'm terrible at learning new languages. And that's because actually I just had a bad experience at school when I was learning a language. I kind of just didn't know what was going on, I never really studied it or practiced, and I always had to stand up in front of the class and speak in a language I just didn't know and it was embarrassing for me at the time and therefore it's stuck with me ever since that actually I'm, I'm bad at learning languages even though I haven't even tried since then to really apply myself and learn a new language. So that experience is now part of me. I would say to people, I'm bad at learning languages. A similar process takes place for us as a collective. One person discovers some wonderful meaning in something This doesn't only happen with Bible stories, right? They communicate this to others, and soon more and more people are using that interpretation to define their own understanding of that thing. After a while, that meaning becomes encoded in our collective understanding of that thing, and it becomes a part of a traditional culture which we accept because everybody around us also acknowledges the value and truth of it. This is why for the people at the time of Jesus' first coming, it would have been so hard to accept what Jesus was saying. It flew directly in the face of their traditional and culturally accepted understanding of those passages of Scripture. For us, on the other hand, it doesn't. We've inherited the culture of accepting Jesus' words. And so for us, it more seems obvious, if anything. For us, understanding that the sign of Jonah is the fact that Jesus was crucified, remained in the grave for three days, and then rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father is just part of our cultural understanding. So we can accept it, no worries. We're able to eat that solid food from that time. And isn't it so much more gratifying than just the story of the prophet Jonah being swallowed by a big fish? But even still, there's more. What is the solid food for one spiritual generation is not the same as the solid food for the next. For example, The Jewish people were so eager to claim that they were the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, children of a lineage that distinguished them from their descendants of Noah, Ham, and Canaan, the generation that came before them who had betrayed their covenant with God. However, when it came down to it, the Pharisees, who were the most eager of all to assert their right to be called the holy people of God, were unable to recognize the fulfillment of their very own scriptures that they studied day and night. In John chapter 5, Jesus himself rebukes them by saying in verse 39 to 40, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And here we come to more solid food related to the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah refers to Jesus' physical resurrection, but he was offering another kind of resurrection to anybody who listened to him and believed and followed the words he was speaking on behalf of God. While we are there, let's also take a look at John chapter 5, verse 24 to 25. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word. And believes Him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus goes to great lengths to explain that He is speaking on behalf of God and that he only says and does what God wants him to say and do. Then in the verse that we just read, he goes on to say that anyone who hears the words he speaks and believes the one who sent him has crossed from a state of death to a state of life. That is not a physical resurrection, but a spiritual resurrection. Their spirit, the one who has listened to the words of life coming from Jesus, Their spirit has received life, gone from a state of death, now to a state of life. The very meaning of resurrection. But not one of the body, but one of the spirit. In previous episodes, it's been discussed, right? It's been spoken a lot about what happened at the time of Eden. Adam and Eve, created in God's image and likeness, chose to believe the words of the serpent when he told them that if they eat of the fruit that God had forbidden them to eat, or even look at it, that somehow they would become more like God. Obviously, from our perspective now, we can easily understand that that was a lie. But how about to Adam and Eve? Actually, it was quite a tempting idea. And they fell for it. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This was the very tree that God had said that if they ate of it, then they would surely die. But neither Adam Nor Eve just suddenly dropped down dead after eating the fruit, right? One bite and then collapse. No, instead, they were exiled from God's garden, the Garden of Eden, and they were no longer allowed access to the Tree of Life. So what is this then? This is actually a separation from God, isn't it? From that time on, not from the time that they died, but from the time when their spirit died by disobeying God's word, and eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Since that time, God has been working to reconnect with his creation. When Jesus came and people were listening to his words and believed them, they were once again listening to the words of God. They were reconnecting with the spirit of their creator through the word. That's why in John 6 verse 63, Jesus explains that the words he's preaching to them Are giving people the Spirit and giving people life. Let's go there. John 6, verse 63. The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are Spirit and they are life. Although the sign of Jonah refers to Jesus' physical death and resurrection, actually the real miracle of resurrection here was taking place not just in Jesus but actually in the hearts of the people who are listening to and believing the words of God spoken through the one God sent. And so then, this sign of Jonah, resurrection, not just physical resurrection of Jesus, but also the spiritual resurrection of the people's spirits who listen to the words of Jesus. We can accept and appreciate the sign of Jonah as it's presented to us in the Gospels, right? But have we really experienced it in our own lives? Not just hearing it and understanding it, but actually truly experiencing a spiritual resurrection, a revitalization of our own spirit. If Jesus's words were given to allow us to pass from death to life, that's why Jesus spoke to us, then why do we struggle so much in our lives of faith? why is it so hard? I I know I can't be the only one here thinking that, man, this is so hard. So then we have to think, if you would really like to experience a resurrection in your own spiritual life, and no, we're not just peddling faith healing or prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about a resurrection of your spirit, a reconnection to God and his word, both his spirit and life, then please reach out to us. We would be more than happy to connect you with someone who will be able to show you more. And so this wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for joining me here on my first time on the Reconnect podcast. Once again, my name is Jaden, and it's been such a pleasure to uh, be here with you today. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you next time here on the Reconnect podcast.